you are listening to a podcast from joettecalabrese.com, where nationally certified American homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay healthy through homeopathy and nutrient-dense nutrition. This is Jendi, and I'm here again with Joette Calabrese. This week, we are going to talk about the difference between treating chronic conditions and acute illness with homeopathy. And, of course, I'm going to get another homeo tip from her that I can use right away, and other moms can as well. So stay and listen to the whole interview with us. Hello, Joette. How are you? Hi, I'm well, Jendi. Nice to talk to you again. So, first of all, let's start off. Can you tell us the difference between acute illness and chronic conditions? Yes. Uh, An acute illness is something that has a natural beginning and a natural end. It actually finishes. So a fever would be an acute illness. A fever when a child gets um, uh, shows uh, a vitality uh, in an illness, which we actually call that vitality, a fever presents. And the fever gets good and high, which, and I, I will also say that good is good, is, is, is important in, uh, in fevers. We do want um, a, a nice show of, of vitality through a good high fever. And then if you just left it alone and did nothing but just kept your child hydrated and warm and clean, etc., the fever would just go away. It would take maybe four or five days, maybe ten days, but it would just finish. That's mean, that describes an acute condition in which it ends on its own. Now let's say the child gets an ear infection, and it's the same thing. An ear infection is an infection. It comes if you did nothing, as they often do in, in Europe. Uh, pediatricians don't treat ear infections. They just let them be, give something for the pain, and that's about it. They don't give antibiotics generally. Um, but at any rate, you would just let that ear infection um, come to fruition and um, make the child comfortable, make sure he or she's uh, hydrated, etc., and watch the ear infection go away. However, in this country, in the U.S., we often see where pediatricians can't keep their hands off those kids with ear infections, so they give them antibiotics. And what that does is it, it um, um, forces, the, forces the, the ear infection to be suppressed. So it kills the antibiotics, but it hasn't gotten to the, to the essence of the propensity for it to occur in the first place. So you give the child an antibiotic, and it looks like, okay, it's done. But then... Uh, more often than not, I don't know the statistics. I used to know them, but I don't remember them now. Uh, very frequently, the child gets a second ear infection, and it appears as though it's isolated, but it isn't. It's really the same ear infection that's just come back again because it was ill-treated. It was o- only the bugs were killed. We didn't get to the illness or the the aspect of 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 getting these kinds of illnesses. We didn't root out the problem. So the child's giving anti- given antibiotics again, and again it looks as though. Uh, we've resolved the condition, and everybody happily goes on, except now, six months later, another ear infection. So now what we've got here is chronic otitis media. We've got an ear infection that keeps coming back. And many times we even see where it's, a, where it's constant, always low-level ear infection, so that after that third or fourth time of the antibiotic use, the ear infection says, uh, the, ear, the body is saying, the ear is saying, um, Boy, you're not letting me show this vitality with a high fever. I'll just stay suppressed here and stay low level. And so now what we have is a chronic condition. So in homeopathy for moms, in all of my original works, my CDs and books, uh, which still have some value, but the message is slightly different. I gave the message originally. My narrative was you can only treat acute illnesses. 
You can only use homeopathic remedies for acute problems where there's a natural beginning and a natural end. When it comes to chronic, now you need the aid of a professional homeopath. I'm recanting that. (laughs) I'm saying something different now. Um, Because of the methods that I have learned by working with the Prasanta Banerjee Homeopathic Research Foundation in India for two years, um, I have gleaned enough information in their chronic cases um, because they have put together protocols over the last 120 years. I can pretty much tell parents, moms, uh, what to use uh, for chronic ear infections, as an example. We can do that for sore throats. We can do the same thing for acne. We can do the same thing, etc. for any chronic condition that is long-lasting. That's what chronic means, is it's very, very long-lasting and would not go away on its own. So what we're looking at here now is that um, is what I would call iotrogenic disease. Iotrogenic means doctor or drug-induced illness. So these ear infections might have gone away by themselves if they had, if this person had been to a pediatrician in, say, England, where they just let it happen. But no, in the U.S., we're antibiotic happy, and it's given again and again, and it caused chronic illness. Now, up until this time, as I said, I, as well as other homeopaths, most homeopaths throughout the world, say, okay, now it belongs in the hand of a seasoned homeopath. And as I said, I'm, I'm recanting and I'm, I'm telling folks now I can teach the methods. I do teach the methods. I teach them in my courses and I teach them on my blog. Even for chronic um, ear infections, we can see that homeopathy roots it out. It doesn't bring it back to where it was in terms of now the child is still getting ear infections once in a while, although that may happen for a little while longer. You may see that a child will get an ear infection one more after the use of these homeopathic protocols. But more often than not, we see an end to it. It's aborted. It's abruptly ended. That's it. We're done. No more ear infections with the correct remedy choice. Um, and, And used at the time that the acute is presenting, so it's at that that pinnacle of the illness. You can use the remedy then. You can even use the remedy protocol um, when it's a low level um, uh, ear infection. When the mother's going to the pediatrician, basically she kind of camps out in the in the waiting room and and finds out. Oh yes, indeed, there it is with the otoscope. There it is. Uh, that ear infection is still uh, brewing. It's just low level. The child may not feel it so much, but it is indeed um, uh, there. When when and I let me just say parenthetically I think this is valuable for for parents because a lot of what I teach or my message my main message is to uh, encourage parents to take control of their children's health themselves and it always ends up pretty much ends up in the mom's hands so my message is to mothers if your child is prone to ear infections buy yourself an otoscope I mean go online get the most expensive or the you know the one that is most co- um, um, the highest quality for the least amount of money, um, but get get the one that you can afford best, and and then you don't have to go to the to the pediatrician to say, oh yes, look indeed, it's pearly, or it's um or it's it's red or it's swollen. Get online and learn how to read the inside of an ear. If you can read, you can read your children's eyes. You can tell when they're bloodshot. You can tell if they have conjunctivitis. You can tell if your child has eczema. Why not learn this too? Um, I actually had planned on buying an autoscope for my children uh, when I was first raising my, my, my children. And I never bought one because they, they only had only one of them had ear infections. He had two of them, gave him the correct remedy, and that was the end of it. So I didn't need it anymore. But, it's, but until you um, get to that point and you use the remedies and, it's, and they're done, 
these these infections are aborted, I think it's a great idea. And it also might be something you purchase with a friend. Maybe two or three mothers get together in a neighborhood um, or from church or um, homeschooling groups or however you're you're affiliated with other friends and and buy one together. So if there's four hundred dollars and you got three of you, it's you know just a little over a hundred dollars each. It's great investment. Heck of a lot better than going into a pediatrician's office and and wasting a whole morning, and then uh, being given antibiotics, which is what we don't want to be using. Even the American Academy of Pediatrics tells us, tells the doctors, excuse me, tells their members, stop, stop with the antibiotics. Come on. You use safe antibiotics for life-threatening illnesses. If the child's got a bacteria pneumonia, now you give antibiotics. But the problem is, as I see it, is that they don't know any other thing to use. They've gotten so accustomed to that. They know nothing about homeopathy. They know um, um, nothing about herbs. You could certainly use herbs. You could use garlic and mullein oil, etc., for ear infections. But, but they can't stop because they have no other solution. So um, an, an other acutes would be a sinus infection. A chronic would be chronic uh, a sinusitis. Another acute would be a urinary tract infection, and it's the same paradigm with urinary tract infections as it is with um, otitis media. And that is the urinary tract infection comes along, and to the doctor we go, get the antibiotics. It seems to knock it down for a while. Six months later, eight months later, up comes the urinary tract infection. Not isolated. We always look at, at, our, at our history. If it's happened before and you used antibiotics, it's likely to happen again because it actually throws off the, the flora in the body so that the antibiotics are more likely to be needed now. Um, and so it, we see that again and again. And then that eventually turns into that, that chronic, you know, that re, the repetitive urinary tract infections, then turn into often um, interstitial cystitis. Uh, we see that a lot in, in women who have had a lot of urinary tract infections met by antibiotics. It's not the urinary tract infections that are causing it, in my estimation. I believe it's the treatment of the urinary tract infections. So um, we're even seeing um, um, interstitial cystitis in children, in little girls, because there's so many antibiotics used. So the difference is that uh, for an acute, it has a natural beginning and it ends all by itself. It would do that anyway. Broken bone. It's going to knit. Eventually, it's going to be over with. Um, but if it's repetitive again and again, if someone's breaking their bones regularly, not because they're athletes, but because the bones are not strong enough, that means that there's a chronic condition. So those are the two differences. And what about things that are chronic that we don't necessarily treat with antibiotics, things like allergies or food intolerances? Can homeopathy help with those also? Well, you know, I'm I'm on the board of Weston Price Foundation, the um, in, in the international organization based on the works of Dr. Weston Price, and it's a it's a um, nutritional organization. Excellent. If you know nothing about it, please um, look check them out online. That's WestonAPriceFoundation.org, and um, and because it's a nutritional organization, and I also author a column in their journal. And I have been doing so for about five years now, and I speak at their conferences. Most of the people who call me for information, 
Most of the students who um, um, contact my office to learn homeopathy come through, through that organization or offshoots of it. So those who are, who are suffering from gastrointestinal tract issues and um, are on GAPS diet or paleo diet, those are the people who call me. And so I have a lot of experience. Plus, I had uh, many of these problems myself, which is what brought me to Weston Price originally some 20-some years ago, 25 years ago. So food allergies, yes. Indeed, are chronic. There's no doubt about it. Food intolerances, constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, bloating, chronic indigestion. Those are all food. Those are all gut related, obviously. And homeopathy doesn't just shine. It sparkles in its ability to root out these problems. This is where homeopathy shines is in the chronic realm. And so Having told moms and other homeopaths, still telling moms, that they can only treat acute conditions is only telling half the story. I, you know, you could go to homeopathy school for many years um, and still not be able to treat these conditions. But I will tell you that these protocols that I learn and that I teach, that I have learned and that I utilize and I teach, are, um, um, are not... They, they are self-empowering. It gives us the ability to root out something that is, on a day-to-day basis, a real troubling condition. So, yes, homeopathy is has a history of being able to treat such conditions. And not just self-empowering, but life-changing. Because how many families have to do with deal with food allergies, like wherever they go, you know, and... Just those stuff like that that you have to handle every day, everywhere. If you can, if homeopathy can help that, it's life changing. Absolutely, and and mothers become overwhelmed by by this job because we we mothers take our job seriously. We want to make sure that the food is correct. And if you give the child the food and then they get sick and they bloat or they have ADD or they have anxiety attacks around this food, and you're beginning to suspect that the child can't have anything anymore, practically, it's maddening. So I like to talk about solutions. It's a drag. To to be in a bad mood and to be overwhelmed as a mom. This is this my message is uplifting. This narrative offers is is good news. Um, it's about not being angry and upset and neurotic, which is what we can all become if this problem becomes too um, entrenched in our lives. But we become happy warriors. It's a much better message than um, than submitting to antibiotic after antibiotic after antacid, antibiotic, antacid, the drugs that are for irritable bowel syndrome and GERD and constipation and Miralax and oh my gosh, have you ever read the side effects? I, you know, I caution people. I mean, the, the beauty of the internet is that now we can find out what's really going on. We can go online and look at what the side effects are. And don't read the side effects from the sites that are pharmaceutical reps. And, and you can tell which ones they are because they only give you a few of the side effects. Key in on your, in Google, something like, let's see, what would be the best way to do this? I suppose it would be something like problems with this drug. Um, suffering from this drug. And once you get to know some of the the players on the Internet, like Dr. Joseph Mercola and others, you can start going to his site specifically and start reading what he says about it. There are doctors out there who know this, who get it. There, Some of them are on the Internet. Many of them are in, you know, they're... Their offices and and um, even in their in their hospitals. But if they if people don't get this, then there's something wrong with their human in, uh, um, intelligence. Because after a while, it kind of shows again and again and again. These side effects are are 
are in are are noteworthy at best and sometimes insurmountable. And I understand this from talking to you before, but I want to make it perfectly clear in case we have a new listener that you say we can treat ourselves. We don't have to go to a homeopath even. They might understand that we don't have to go to a doctor, but we don't even have to go to a homeopath. We can do it ourselves. Well, I'm going to share a dirty little secret. <laughs> that is, homeopaths, um, is, and, I, and I don't mean to be disparaging towards my own, but homeopaths don't share this information with families. They don't teach them about chronic illness. Um, but I do. And it's not that I'm trying to toot my own horn. I'm just trying to get this out there. And, and, and certainly, if you get stuck, you can always call me, obviously, or a homeopath that will help you. But there's a lot that can be done that, um, it, with these tips and tricks and these protocols that can be um, employed immediately. And you may never have to see another doctor or homeopath again. With this particular condition, it's it's to be honest, um, I'm 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 not interested in the tips that doctors offer because they, to be honest, I can't imagine what kind of tips a doctor would give. So maybe they might say, "Oh, don't eat wheat." I mean, they kind of caught on to that. It took a lot, took a long time. I mean, those of us who have been involved with the food world for you know, I've been involved with it all my life, and um, and we've always known that wheat can cause trouble. Well, the doctors are just learning this. I don't know. Maybe they're watching television or something. <laughs> I'm sorry to be so condescending, but I just I hear it too often, and um, from my from my clients and students that their doctor just won't listen to it. It's just as can't possibly be. How could that be? Well, it can be, and it's usually as a result of the antibiotics that were given previously that caused the uh, gluten intolerance today. For the price of internet connection, we can have our own yes. care. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Make sure that you choose well, though, who's who you're following. There's, there's, there are, there, there is a faction that very much hates homeopathy in this country, um, and 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 it has been shown in um, so a couple of courts of law in California that they indeed were being paid by the, by the basically the competition, and the competition is the pharmaceutical industry and the AMA. I'll be honest, that's really what it's all about. So um, nobody likes to um, give up their monopoly once they've established that. So it's up to us as mothers and families to take this on ourselves. I'm not saying fight the industry. I'm saying don't use them. That's all. Just don't buy it. Dollar power. And um, and slowly but surely, the message will be um, clearer and clearer, which is why I believe that some doctors are really coming around because they're tired of hearing the same old stuff. You know, if I give my child this antibiotic one more time, I'm going to destroy that gut so badly. He's already got constipation from the last two rounds of these antibiotics. So um, um, the mothers are hip. The doctors are behind. And so they have to, it's up to us to educate them. Now, I'm not going to tell you go in and try to educate your doctor in that regard. They'll get the message eventually because the waiting rooms perhaps are not, won't be as full. But, uh, or maybe not. Maybe that will never happen. But uh, meanwhile, I, don't, I would not urge parents to argue with their doctors. It's, it's, it's often fruitless. And then you just create a bad relationship. And you still need them for diagnostics often. Um, you can do a lot of this yourself, but from time to time you may need somebody who can help you with the diagnosis. I mean, you want to know if there's a lump. Is it a hematoma? Is it a, is it a, a, a benign cyst? Is it a, is it a tumor? 
So that would be valuable. I don't know that you'd find an answer to that on the Internet because it has to be palpated and perhaps even biopsied. But it's important to have someone in your court who can give you that information as well. And I know lately, um, joettecalabrese.com has a little search bar on it. And if there's yeah. something I'm curious about, I just go and type it in. And then all this, the blog posts and the information comes up. There's lots of information there. And let's say for a mom that is listening to this, uh, that has a child that has had ear infections, because you were talking about that earlier, and they did get them antibiotics, they can still treat the ear infection right oh, yes. now. How would they do oh. that? Well, not only can they still treat it, but most of the students that I have and people who call me in my office um, have already had antibiotics. I mean, I don't know very many people who have not had antibiotics. Maybe Christian scientists, maybe moms who had learned this a long time ago. Uh, but for, I would say <laughs> I'm just going to take a wild guess. Probably 98% of the of the population has had antibiotics in, in uh, North America or in the Western world. So we have to start. Um, somewhere. And the best place to start, of course, is wherever you are. So we move forward with um, with a remedy. And one of the main remedies for ear infections, whether it's an acute or it's a chronic, is HEPAR self, H-E-P-A-R self, S-U-L-P-H. And, and sometimes it's just called plain old HEPAR self. Sometimes it's called HEPAR self calcarea. Um, but it's still the same remedy, and and thirtieth potency is what we usually use. And if the if the ear infection is severe, then it's used every three hours. Then once it starts to back off a little bit, and it sometimes it takes only a couple of doses. Sometimes it takes two or three days. But if you start seeing improvement, and what we're looking for in an acute situation as to whether or not the remedy is acting properly, is we're looking for the vitality to increase. In other words, if the child is lying on the couch. And um, they can't be. They have no interest in getting up and going out and playing with their friends. Then, um, then that is the vitality is down. You give the remedy, and as you see the ear infection, if you've got an otoscope or you even look inside, sometimes you can actually see discharge or, or swelling. Um, that may still be, but now the child's got vitality. It's the correct remedy. That's how you know. If they were ornery and uh, fractious um, and um, weepy. And you give the remedy a few times and you see that the child is now um, more buoyant emotionally and can, can, is, is talking and, and, and there's more joyfulness in his or her life. That, that means soon after the ear infection will start to dissipate. So what we see is an overall general shift in the person and then an emotional or mental shift in the person. Now, it's not always that way. Sometimes it's just so fast that the ear infection, there's pain, is gone, child is up and ready to play. Um, that's when you know, when, they, when, the, when everything is gone, uh, when you know that the infection is, um, is uh, aborted and the, uh, and the wherewithal of the child is, is positive, then we know that it's uh, time to stop the remedy. You don't use it any longer. You don't carry on. It's not like... A, a vitamin or a drug for that matter where you take it for the rest of your life that's absolute nonsense uh, no instead we stop when we're done now let's say four days later comes back again you start exactly where you left off it means that you didn't go far enough there was something that still remained and you need to use the remedy again so you go ahead and use the remedy again in the same fashion perhaps every three hours if it's severe enough only twice daily if it's not so severe and then you wait to see now, how far can we take this? Let's 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 go an extra day just in case. And generally speaking, it 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 uh, it gets rid of the ear infection and even the propensity for it to return in the future. 
Now, sometimes, as I said earlier, I alluded to this earlier, sometimes we see that the, um, the, that the ear infection returns maybe two or three months later, but what we often see is a, is a lesser version, less intense are the symptoms. Shorter lasting is the ear infection and larger space between the first and the second time that it comes around. So it's presenting, but it's not nearly as ferocious. So uh, we, want, we want a less fierce representation of the illness. So then we use that same remedy again, heap ourselves, heap ourselves uricum calcarea, 30. If it's severe, every three hours. When it becomes not so severe, then twice daily for a few days until it's uh, much improved. And, and you're probably done. It's very likely that that will be the end of it. That will be the end of it. That, that will be the end of it. Isn't that remarkable? This is the medicine we've all been waiting for. This is the stuff we thought we were getting. We thought we were being cured. We had no idea that we were driving the illness to a deeper state by using those drugs. We had no idea as mothers. And now we do. And this is the good news. And so I, I urge people to, please, once this works for you, and it will, if it doesn't work, parenthetically, let me mention, if it doesn't act, it means it's the wrong remedy. So in 80% of the population who have ear infections, Heparsulf is the remedy. And it's not always because there's still a 20% of the population it may not affect. And in that case, that's when it's time to start learning a little bit more about homeopathy. So you can learn the second level, the second tier of choice. I learned this protocol, this heap. I mean, everyone knows in homeopathy, anyone who's studied homeopathy knows that heap ourself is a great remedy for ear infections. But, they, but often when you go on websites of other homeopaths, and myself as well, for years this is how I taught, that gave you the top five homeopathic remedies from which to choose. If your child is weepy, give pulsatilla. If your child's eyes are bad and they're weak, give them silica. If your child, if the pain is extraordinary, you give belladonna. If... Wait, 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 wait. What if it's all of those things? That's why I like this method, this protocol, this Banerjee protocol, because in 80% of the cases, it's going to be heap ourselves, regardless of whether or not the child is weepy or clingy or, or um, has extreme pain or not. It matters not. It, it's definitely worth the 80% try. There's a protocol for every acute and chronic illness known to man and animal kind. And I just had a, my last blog was about my dog, uh, Buster. We call him Buster the Bad Office Dog and how he had a torn meniscus. And, um, and so if people suspect that this is um, related to placebo, because that's what the word is out amongst the conventional medical people to, to, to subdue their, their competition – homeopathy, um, although we're not much competition for them quite yet. Again, we used to be, but we're not so much anymore um, because it has been squashed quite effectively by that side. But um, the, the, if, if anyone questions that possibility that this could be um, um, placebo, I don't know how Buster would know what I was doing. First of all, he didn't see me put the remedies in his milk. <laughs> I put it in his milk. We get raw milk from our local farmer. Um, I, or I put it in his water. And then when he drinks his water, which is about twice a day, then he gets his remedies twice a day. He had no idea what we were doing. Unless he's much smarter than I think he is, he would not know that we've used um, a homeopathic remedy. So placebo doesn't hold up. Um, the reason that they keep bringing up placebo is because um, they can't imagine that it could work this well. But try it a few times, and it uh, just it will it is like you said earlier it's it's life changing 
And after you become more experienced with homeopathy, you can use these remedies in a little higher potency. Um, some uh, The Banerjee's actually use this Hepar Self um, in a 200 potency, but I urge those who are starting out to not use 200s. I really urge you to stay in a 30th potency realm. It's just a little bit safer. You're a little bit. It's not that this is unsafe. It's just that we can make mistakes and use remedies too frequently. We don't want to do that. And so by using a 30th potency, it's a good, great place to start. And you said that there's a remedy for everything known to man. So we just have to learn about it. And right. you, you have some ways for us to learn about it, right? Yes. I have courses. I have online courses. I have. Um, we just did a wonderful course called Good Gut, Bad Gut. We did that last, well, it was quite seven, many months ago. And it teaches what remedies to use for what specific conditions that are gut-related. And those that are seemingly unrelated, such as, as I mentioned earlier, ADD, um, can, is often a gut issue. Depression, often a gut issue. Anxiety, anticipatory anxiety, um, um, insomnia, hormone um, levels that are off can often be related to the gut. Not always, but um, it's if we don't look at the gut, particularly if we note that there's any bloating or something that's frank from the gastrointestinal tract, then we have we then we're missing a whole segment of discovery if we don't at least consider that possibility. But, you know, Hepar Self, and let's getting back to that remedy, is, uh, is, is not good for just ear infections. I've had people tell, come, uh, tell me that, that they have a, a child who's a teenager and they gave their child Hepar Self for, for an ear infection that's been raging on and off throughout this child's life. And their, their, their um, acne went away. Yes, Hepar Self is a great remedy for acne. Um, it's a great remedy for uh, chronic sore throats. Um, for uh, tonsillitis, it's it's one of the top ones. It's not the only one. So we see that concomitantly, other issues uh, melt away as well. That means that the remedy certainly was was well chosen. And this is probably a very basic kind of question, but um, it comes in the little tiny balls when mm -hmm. you get that shake thing, yes. and it says on it to put it under your tongue, I think, mm -hmm. and let mm -hmm. it soft. It's, it's okay if the kids just swallow it? Oh, yes. Well, we, we ask people to try to keep it in their mouth a little bit longer just to be sure that they've gotten the full effect of the medicine that's on the on the circumference or on the um, um, exterior of the little balls. But as I said, with Buster, I just put it in his water and it still works. So I just don't use a lot of water. I don't use a lot of milk so that as it dissolves, it's now um, incorporated into the liquid. So as long as it gets inside them, yes. even if it's in their stomach. Yes, it's absolutely. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this is a lifestyle. And you needn't embody all of the principles that I purport through my blog and my teachings and my courses, etc. But um, even if you're only using two of the methods that I believe are valuable for a family, um, this is stuff that makes us into, into a good mother. I mean, at-home health care, home cooking, homeschooling if you choose, even home birthing if you choose. And of course... Homeopathy. You see the common thread here? Home. <laughs> they don't all have the same means. Home remedies. These, the, the common thread is don't let anyone tell you differently and don't ever be apologetic about being at home with your kids. It is an important job for mothers. It is something that is, um, um, needs to be done. We need to take care of our children. Who else is going to do it? Really, can you hire a minimum wage employee to do what you do to take care of your child? It's just not the same. 
I'm not saying don't go to a babysitter. I'm not saying not to ever use professional um, caregivers from time to time. But on a day-to-day basis, I believe, as you can see, I'm a, I, I have traditional values. I feel very strongly that one of the most important things we can do is raise our children. Um, it doesn't mean you can't have a career. I have a career. I'm very busy. Now, my children are grown, but I, still, I incorporated both. You can do both. There's no reason why you can't do both. And you decide how far you want to go with the career. I mean, there are a lot. Now, with the Internet, think of the possibility. You're a perfect example of it, Jendi. Working from at home in front of your computer while your kids are right there at your feet. It's a beautiful picture. It's gorgeous. So I feel very strongly that if we don't take this back into our arena as, um, uh, as mothers, as families who are committed to the family, um, we're, we're, we're not going to go in the right direction, not only for ourselves and our, and our children and our legacy, but also in our country, for that matter. I was thinking as you were talking, so much you say is about observation and observing yes. when they're feeling bad and their emotions are off and when they're getting the fevers and all that. And if, if we are not there with them, we can't observe and we don't know what is normal and what is not normal if we're not with them. That's right. That's right. Um, because as you're learning this and you're asking questions and you're looking at your child and you're trying to pick up on the nuances of the illness that they're suffering, you're giving them motherly love. That's the watchful eye of a mother, not the watchful eye of the health care provider. It's not the, wealth, the, the watchful eye, careful eye of the pediatrician. This is in the mother's realm. We can't go wrong if we take this on in this fashion. Now, let me also say that um, m- there are many women who don't have children. And so it's the same principle. If you've got dogs or cats or you're caring for an elderly aunt or a neighbor or wildlife, that's still mothering of sorts. So I, I, I stretch that a little bit and, and offer that to those women who don't have children, that, that we're still mothers. We still have that instinct. Um, we're biologically different, excuse me, but we are biologically different than men. And this is where, and, and, and that's why I like taking care of the children at home. And I tell you, it's, it is refreshing to me because so many thoughts that have been through my head through the years, like, I doubted the doctor. I doubted lots of doctors. <laughs> and I saw my friend do that exact thing with the ear infection. Go back like every month when her kid got another ear infection. And and now I'm like, she, you are confirming my doubts were okay. And not only that, telling me a way to make it better and telling me something to do about it. So it's, like you said, it's so empowering. Look at the doctor. If the doctor is helping you, by all means, stay with him or her. But if the doctor is not helping, that would be like going to an accountant who consistently makes mistakes. Mistake, okay, you get audited. Another mistake, oh, you get audited again. Another mistake. Third time, at some point you say, hey, pal, you're fired. <laughs> you're not doing a good job. Why do we give such leeway to pediatricians? I don't get it. The same illness over and over. Now the child can't have this. Now the child can't eat that. Now they got stomach aches. Now they're not learning properly. Now they're now they're languid. Now they're they're insomniacs. Children who are insomniacs. Now they have a, um, a chronic constipation. No, they've got diarrhea. You got to look at what is being, how this this illness is being treated, and start questioning those who seem to have more understanding of it than you do. No one 
has as much understanding about your child as you have. And so if there's other mothers out there looking for information and or uh, have doubts about the things, they can go to joettecalabrese.com and they can look. And like I said, there's a search box. There's a little search bar. And also sign up for the email list because for me, I love it when I, I get the update right in my email that, hey, there's a new blog post so I can go and read it. And that comes right to me so I don't have to go look if it's posted yet or not. I love that. So I hope they will check out joettecalabrese.com and stay tuned because we'll talk about more in the next podcast. Yes, we will. Just remember, folks, this is the affordable health care, not the stuff the government's talking about. This is the stuff. So take it to the hilt and you will be surprised at what what you'll be capable of doing. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. If you liked it, please share it with your friends. 